This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And I'm Lyle Southwell, and this is... Lawson Walters. And we are about to get into our 20 million movement Bible study. 20 million people all around the world studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. But before we do, we have another clue for our quiz, which no one has snapped up yet. What do you got for us there, Lawson? All right, here we go. This this one's a bit alternative. Like, I, I think this is interesting. I said it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Who said that? One eight hundred three two four eight four three, and you'll you'll find out if you know who it is. You'll get a prize. Do you know what a goad is? Do you own a goad? Um, no, I don't own a goad. You don't own a goad. No, I'm pretty sure I don't own a goad. Okay, a a goad is like a thing. It's like a thing that you put on a horse. Or a cow or something? No. Um. In, no. What's a, what is a goat? <laughs> it's like when they do a modern translation of the Bible. Why do they use these words? Yeah, I. I mean, seriously, why do they use these words? The old KJV says pricks. They kick against the pricks. Okay. And surely that's a much more simple way of describing goads. Who's ever heard of a goad? I I have no idea what a goad like. That's a cattle prod. Thought I did. Ah, yeah, yeah. I told you it's something that has to do with (laughs) the cow. I knew it had something to do with steering the cow. I didn't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, oh yeah, it's it's a horse. So basically, it was a ship, a a stick with a uh, sharp pointy end on it, typically. Yeah. Uh, but you might have a steel point on it, like a bit of a spear. Um, you might, um, you know, these days, of course, they're electric. Mm. Um, you might use a pitchfork. That was when we had cattle. We always just used a pitchfork as a mm. as a goad. Mm-hmm. So you goad somebody. You <laughs> you prick them. You poke them. You push them. Um, kind of a term we don't really use these days. That is, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> I am going to give you half an hour to use the word goad in a sentence. Yeah, sure. Okay, you're on. All right. Um, now, of course, uh, who was it that said, why do you kick against the goads? It would be kind of uncomfortable to kick against a goad, to go up into a goad and kick a goad. Oh, that would hurt. That, that would hurt. That would kill. So give us a call. You'd have a you know sharp, pointy thing going straight into your toes. Ouch! That is not the mental image that I needed to receive this morning. Thank you, Lyle. Let's get into our 20 million movement encounter with God. What are we, what are we looking at today? Okay, so the Bible is talking about covenants today, and it lists mm. seven of them. The first covenant, the second covenant, the third covenant, the fourth covenant, the Sinaiac or Moses covenant, the fifth covenant, the sixth covenant, and the seventh covenant, but it's missed a bunch out. Okay. So. Um, what are we going to do? Let's find the first covenant that is listed here in the Bible study guide is the one in Genesis chapter 3. We talked about that yesterday. We talked about yesterday. Mm -hmm. However, there's a covenant that predates that. Oh, yes, there is. And you will find that in Revelation chapter 13. Are you? Oh. Okay, <laughs> you were not expecting to I go to surprised. that end of the Bible, were you? I was like, I was like, oh, I know what's up. And okay, well, while, while we're turning there, no. let me ask you this question: When uh, was Jesus crucified? Um, in you know, two thousand two thousand years ago, in you know, yeah. 30, 30 AD. 
31 AD. 31 AD. 31 AD. So Jesus was crucified in 31 AD. Are you sure? You sound a little bit, maybe? Like, there? yes. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry, right. sorry. He started his public ministry in 30 AD and he was crucified in 31. 20, sorry. 27 AD. No. 31 AD. 34 AD are the dates you're looking for. Oh, okay. You're yeah, having a rough morning man, this morning, Lord. I am. <laughs> a rough morning. I need to wake up. I need to splash my face with water. Okay, and, you what know. you need to do is you need to come out to my place in the morning and go for a go morning for swim. A swim. Like oh. I do, before work, in that, that would be refreshing... Awesome. Fresh water, I had and you'll a, feel like a new person. I had a morning shower in... in maybe you just need to have a cold morning shower. A cold morning shower. Yeah, I, was, try that I, had a, I had a pretty hot shower this morning. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in need of some good R&R. You Did know, your shower, shower go for longer than the length of a song? Um, it doesn't matter because we're not in level two water restrictions anymore. Uh, we're about to go into them, if we haven't already. I was reading it yesterday. We are entering level two. Okay, well then. So longer than a song and you're in trouble. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So let's um, let's think about the one that – so let's think about when Jesus died. We were talking about when Jesus died yeah. and Jesus you, – you, you say Jesus died in AD 31. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Are we sure on that? Yes, absolutely. The Bible makes abundantly clear that that was the date of Jesus' death. Mm-hmm. However, the Bible says something differently. Okay. The Bible contradicts that statement. Uh-huh. The Bible says that Jesus was crucified a long time before that. Mm-hmm. Where he gives this uh, in Revelation 13. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I got him scratching his head here this morning. He's like, what on earth are you talking about? Okay, Lawson, read for me Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, please, and tell me when was Jesus crucified? And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life. Um, book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the Lamb who was slaughtered. Of course, in you know your translation or in you know the New King James, it'd ah, say you've that, got that, that such a dodgy translation. Yeah, it'd, right it'd there. say that it's crucified before the foundation of the world. That's right. Absolutely. In other words, uh, well, let me read it to you just in case you are wondering. Um, and, of course, this is a more word-for-word word rather than an interpretive um, or thought-for-thought translation such as the NLT. It says, And all that live upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Mm. In other words, the Bible is saying right here that Jesus was crucified before our world was created. Before the foundations of this world were created, Lawson's got the yawns happening here this morning. I don't know what you're talking about. I am awake. I'm ready to go. I'm living my best life. You know? uh, it's all good. You're probably ca- catching them off me. I usually get the yawns about this time in the morning as well. But anyway, um, okay, back to our Bible verse. The Bible says that Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. Therefore, we know there was a covenant that was made before sin entered the world and before our world was created. Mm, they had to have A been. covenant that involved the sacrifice of the Son of God. Mm. So we have to ask ourselves the question, how long before the foundation of our world was that covenant made? Wow, that is a big question because some people uh, believe, and I kind of believe this too, that before the universe was created, God lived outside of time and space, and then you so you have no objective standard of time. 
Mm-hmm. So, so is that the kind of, are we looking for some kind of cosmological answer or is there specifically an answer in the Bible? Well, no, there's no specific answer in the Bible. This is probably the closest the Bible gets to it. So we're going to consider exactly what the, uh, we're going to, we're going to look at the implications right here. Mm-hmm. Let's start with God is love. Yes. Okay. So if God is love, he is going to create beings. Mm-hmm. Love does not exist in a vacuum. Love does not exist in a singular. Mm. Uh, for love to exist, there must be plural. Yes. Okay, so we're clear on that so far. The other thing that re- is a requirement for the existence of love is freedom of choice. Mm. You can't go and put a gun to somebody's head and say, you must love me. That will not create love. That will create compliance and because they do not have freedom of choice. So love only exists where freedom of choice exists. Okay, so from the very beginning, God is love. Therefore, from the very beginning, God has been creative. Therefore, from the very beginning, God has created creatures with the power of choice. Mm -hmm. This is all based on the premise that God is love. Yes. Therefore, from the very beginning, if if the power of choice exists, the possibility of evil exists. Mm. And while ever the possibility of evil exists, then um, then God has to have a plan in place as to what he will do if evil happens. There has to be a plan. And that plan has been and always will be the death of Jesus Christ, the death of the Son to come and pay the penalty for sin. Mm. Um, the atonement, the redemption. That's the only plan that can be in place. And so therefore, I would propose that if God is love and God creates other beings and those other beings have the power of choice, which are elements that are demanded by a God who is love, then before God creates beings that have the power of choice, before God creates the possibility... You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So before God creates the possibility of um, sin, God has to also have in place a plan of what to do if sin arrives. Mm. Therefore, the plan of salvation has always existed. Therefore, Jesus has always been the member of the Godhead who will give his life as a sacrifice in the plan of salvation. Therefore, Jesus Christ has always been the Son of God from eternity. Mm. He has always been the Lamb who was slain. He has always been, figuratively, crucified. Ah, think about this. (laughs) Therefore, God's law has always existed. Therefore, think about this, Jesus has always existed independent and separate from the Father. Wow. Mm. If you are going to claim, as some do, that Jesus has not always existed separate and independent from the Father, the only way you can do that is is by claiming that there was a point in time 
when the plan of salvation did not exist. Wow. Mm. And there is no possibility of claiming <clears throat> there was a point in time when God had no plan mm. for sin. Of course, this this phrase before the foundation of the world often comes so, up so, in direct relation to that. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, now think about this: Jesus has always been crucified. Mm-hmm. Jesus has always been the Son of God, and Jesus has always been the incarnate Son of God. In other words, the Son of God who is born as a human being. Mm -hmm. He has always been those three things, even though he became the incarnate Son of God in 4 BC and was crucified in 31 AD. Mm. But he has always been both of those things. Always. Yeah. Because of the everlasting covenant. Yes, because the covenant has always been there, mm. and this this that's something that that Ephesians get Ephesians chapter one gets at, where it says that we're predestined um, to a, to be sons of adoption before the foundation of the world, like that that's very right. sentiment that like absolutely you're predestined for G like from the foundation of the world, it was predestined that Jesus would give you the opportunity to be saved before the the creation even existed, um, absolutely, which is. Heavy, like, and you have been predestined to spend eternity with God because of that. Mm. Whether you um, uh, um, choose to accept your predestination or not is a different thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the Bible says that whom He foreknew, He predestined. Mm. Who did God foreknow? He foreknew Everyone. every single person. So every single person has been predestined to salvation. That does not mean that every person will choose salvation mm. and therefore uh, receive the benefits of that salvation. Mm. All right, so there's your first covenant. Yeah. The Bible study, which has an error in it. <laughs> oh, Heresy meter is going off. Nah, <laughs> uh, puts, uh, puts the uh, the Genesis uh, 3 covenant down as number one. Mm-hmm. Okay, the second covenant. Where do you think the second covenant might come in, Lawson? In the time of Noah. Noah. And if we go to Genesis chapter 6, let's read about some of uh, this covenant right here. Genesis chapter 6. Give us the first three verses there, please, Lawson. Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and the daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women and took... um, and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Okay, so the world is getting into be a bit of pretty bad place here, mm. and as a result of that, God uh, says, Look, 120 years from now, I'm going to flood the earth. And um, your translation... Once again, messes that one up a little bit, but <laughs> be that as it may. 120 years from now, the flood is going to come, and so Noah starts building an ark. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They build the ark, and when you go over to chapter 9, you find that they survived the flood because of that. And um, let's start in verse 8. Yeah, sure. Through... They... Let me see. 
uh, through 17. Long passage. Genesis chapter 9, verses 8, the Bible says, Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants, and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on the earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all the living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I'll remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on the earth. Then God said to Noah, Yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. Okay, so what do we have in our world right now as a reminder that God is a covenant-keeping God? A rainbow. A rainbow. And what a great reminder that is. Every time you see the rainbow, it is a reminder of the existence of God, Mm. the fact that God made a covenant with his people, Mm. that we are alive right now because of that covenant, and that God will never flood the earth with water again, uh, but that God will bring this world to an end when he returns. The rainbow... Um, which has you know been used by other people groups for other purposes in more recent times, is actually a biblical symbol. Yes. It is a Christian symbol uh, and one that is a symbol of the covenant that God made with Noah and with Noah's sons. Mm, it's interesting because the rainbow is something that is originally Christian, unlike something like the cross, for example. Which is originally pagan. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, the cross was a pagan symbol for 2,000 years before uh, mm. it became a part of Christianity. It was, yeah, it was a giant part of sun worship, whereas we see here with the rainbow, this is something, this is a symbol, one of few, that is, yeah, originally, originally From the very beginning. biblical. From the very beginning. Mm. What I find interesting, when you look at uh, Christian symbolism and iconography, you very, very rarely see the rainbow. Mm. you only ever seen the rainbow in the story of Noah. Yeah, this should be a symbol, and you and you find you know lots of different rainbows in the Bible. Down in the Book of Revelation, you find a green rainbow. Mm. It's like interesting, <laughs> um, all different shades of green, I guess. Mm. But it um, it is something in the Bible that you know we you know, it's something in Christian symbolism and iconography. You just don't you'll see a lot of crosses. Yeah, but when did you last see the symbol of a rainbow? It's always in like the youth. The youth room at church, kind of thing, you know, amongst well, young the primary people, room. and um, you know, anything to do with the story of Noah that that's you know, rainbow, but yeah, I think amongst you know, mainstream Christian iconography, like you never really see it. No, not that often. We need to, we need to uh, bring it back and use it more often. Mm. That's our symbol right there. Mm, there you go. All right, next one. When does the next covenant come? So, they're our first one was between the Father and the Son has been there from eternity. The second one was the one in Genesis, the salvation of the human race. The third one is with Noah. When does our fourth one come in? I would say that the fourth one comes in at the time of Abraham. Abraham, let's go to Genesis chapter 12, and if you can read for us verse 1 to 3. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country... 
your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so when we look at the covenant that God has made with Abraham here, we find that God is making an Abraham that he will make of him, uh, making a covenant that he's going to make of him a great nation. But more than that, the entire world is going to be blessed through Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it was Jesus Christ who came through the descendants of Abraham, and that is how all the world was blessed. Anyway, this is uh, the Forms Family with God Leads Us Along here on Faith Event. In shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads His dear children
Welcome back to Faith FM. We are continuing on um, with our encounter with God. But before we do, I have another clue for the quiz. Yes, bring ready? it on. Bring it on. Who am I? Isaiah 53 speaks about my death. Man, this person's pretty important. They're kind of talked about all over the place. They are. They are trying to make this one as obscure as possible in the clues. It's not actually that obscure, so just give us a call, 1-800-324-843. This is a great quiz, our best quiz all year. Um, Easily. Easily our best quiz. So give us a call, um, 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM if you know the answer to the quiz. And there will be a prize coming your way. Mm. So before the break, we were talking about the Abrahamic covenant. Yes. How is Jesus who came through that covenant? That's right. Because it, he, God promised that through Abraham, the whole world will be blessed. We have a number of covenants yet to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, the fifth covenant. Which one is? Which one comes after the Abrahamic covenant? Oh, I'm going to say the covenant to Jacob. Maybe? No, actually, it's not listed here. Okay. <laughs> they missed that one. Uh, yeah, I'm like... Okay, so we'll call that the fifth one because there's definitely a covenant, covenant with Jacob where it says, you know, you'll go down into Egypt, you'll be there 400 years, and then yeah. I'll bring you out again. Yeah. Okay, so there's a covenant... And, and there was a covenant made with, uh, with, with Jacob that he would be... Um, called Israel. Yeah, he's, he become, that's the one that I was thinking of. So let, we're starting Israel. to make a bit of a list here. <laughs> They've listed seven covenants. We're up to, what, eight, nine covenants now? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So we've got nine covenants so far. Okay, so let's um, let's go to, what is it, covenant number 10 then. <laughs> After Jacob, where are we going to go? Next uh, probably one. to the Exodus, right, to Moses. Yes, indeed. So Genesis, Exodus, chapter 19 is where you'll read this one. And this is the one that's called in the Bible the Old Covenant. Mm. Exodus 19, and Lawson, could you read for us? I think it's verse 5. It starts there, verse 6. The Bible says in verse 5, Now if you obey, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. And if you come down to verse 8, you have the conclusion of the covenant. And all the people responded together, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought back the people's answer to the Lord. Okay, so this is what is often referred to as the old covenant. It Mm -hmm. was the temporary covenant. It was the faulty covenant. It was um, the covenant that was based on weak promises. Mm -hmm. This is what uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 8 tells us about the old covenant, and it was the covenant made at the time of the Exodus. It's important to note that this covenant is is that this covenant is in chapter 19 and it predates the giving of the Ten Commandments. Mm. So the Old Covenant predates the giving of the Ten Commandments, therefore it cannot be the Ten Commandments. Mm. Uh, where's the fault in this one real quick, Lawson? Um, 
with the 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 human aspect. And where are the poor promises? The Bible says that this one has poor promises. Um, we see here when uh, and all and all the people responded together. We would do everything the Lord has commanded. What's wrong with that? Um, it's an impossible promise. Okay. Why is it impossible? The Bible simply says, uh, if you say that you do not sin, you call God a liar. Or if the Bible says, if you say you have not sinned. Yeah. If, yeah, if, that's if, right. if you say you and have this is, not and this is the And this is the point right here. They are promising an impossibility because mm. they do not understand conversion. Mm. Uh, they're like, yeah, okay, we'll do everything God says. No worries. Done. Tick that box, move on, and a few weeks later they're dancing around a golden calf because they're not actually converted, they are unconverted. Mm. And because they're dancing around a golden calf, then um, you know all kinds of terrible things happen to the nation because they have rejected God, they have turned away from God, mm. and we see the weakness of humanity to be able to keep the law of God on the, by themselves, on their own. Mm. The old covenant is salvation by works. Where the out conversion. The Bible says in the New Covenant, Behold, the New Covenant I'll make with the house of Israel. After those days, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their heart. The Israelites had the law in their mind, but not in their heart. Mm. And that's why they broke that particular covenant. Okay, when is the next one after that? Ooh. And who was it made with? Who was it made with? Um, would we jump down to the time of the kings or are we... Okay, there's one before then. Okay. There's one before the covenant was made with King David. Okay, which, which one's that? The covenant made with Phineas, of course. Oh, Everybody knows the, about the covenant the made with Phineas. Phineas covenant. The Phineas How covenant. How could I forget? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to Numbers chapter 25 and let's read about the Phineas covenant. Lots of covenants in the Bible, so many covenants in the Bible. Numbers chapter 25, and we will read here verse 10 to 13. Uh, Numbers chapter 25, verses 10 to 13, the Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, and the grandson of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous by being as zealous among them as I was. So I stopped destroying all of Israel as I had intended to do in my zealous anger. Now tell him that I am making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him his, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood. And uh, for, the, for in his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people Israel, making them right with me. There you go, making yeah. atonement. That is wild. So the Phineas Covenant, and with the Phineas Covenant, his descendants became got to become uh, the priests. Mm. Uh, so he was obviously a Levite. And through the line of Phineas, we have uh, the Levites who can you know continue to be priests all the way down through until the destruction of the temple. Mm. Okay, so that was the Phineas Covenant. Then we go to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel chapter 7, and we have the Davidic covenant, or the covenant with David. What does God promise David over here? Second Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel chapter 7, we'll start in verse 5. The Bible says, Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 5, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build the house for me to live in? 
I have never lived in a house from the day I was brought uh, brought from the day that I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I've never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now, go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name famous as anyone who has lived on the earth, and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed at the judges to rule my people Israel. And I, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord de- declares that he, furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants from your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod, like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. Well, there you go. That's the covenant with David, and we are out of time, so we need to move on with our show. What we're going to do is we're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the most important of all the covenants, and that is the covenant known as the New Covenant. Mm. That is actually the oldest of all of the covenants, even though it's called the New Covenant. Anyway, this is uh, Marion Blythe Peppers with Give Me Jesus. Give me
survive in the bush? Are you in touch with the God of nature? Are you learning the skills you need for a successful life? Grafton Pathfinder Club can help. With a Christian foundation, our pathfinders enjoy camping out in the most amazing locations. Paddle a canoe, hike up a mountain, abseil down a cliff, tie knots and lashings, follow a map to the treasure, use your survival skills in the bush, earn some honours from a large list of pursuits, Make friends that you'll keep for a lifetime. Our hall meetings in South Grafton are on the first Saturday of each month from 2pm to 4pm. We're inviting young children aged between 10 and 16 to join us on our next adventure. Send us an email now at graftonpathfinders at gmail.com or find us on Facebook under Grafton Pathfinder Club. We're empowering youth for a resilient future. Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sing for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds on the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the storm, 
that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. It's not just about the good things in this life I've done. It's not all about the treasures or the trophies that I've won. It's not about the righteousness that I find within. It's all about His precious blood that saved me from my sin. It's about the Welcome back to Faith FM, continuing on with the show. Quick clue for the quiz. We'll just we'll just jump in before we do the question of the day. Um, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Who was it uh, who did okay. that? <laughs> I wonder. I wonder who might that have been. <laughs> Give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you can win a prize completely for free. All right, Lyle. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. True, it is. Are you ready for the question? I of the am day? ready for a question of the day. Okay. The question is What is the truth about deathbed conversions? Can a person really be converted on their deathbed having never developed a long term personal relationship with Christ and never having the chance to repent from a lifetime of sin? Surely God granting a person grace and faith is not sufficient for them to be truly saved 10 minutes before they die. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. There is an implication within this question. 
And I just want to point the implication out. The implication here within this question is that we must do something for salvation. Mm -hmm. That's the implication. Apart from or over and above surrendering our life to Jesus Christ and asking him to take away our sin. Now, the Bible says that salvation is a gift. Can you do something to get a gift? No. Because the moment you do something to get something, it is no longer a gift. It's a wage. That's the difference between it. By definition, that is the difference between a wage and a gift. The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You cannot do something. All right. Then the next question is, okay, does it take time to receive a gift? How long does it take to receive a gift? Is it a requirement that receiving a gift takes 30 minutes, an hour, three years, or 10 years? No. No, because if that kind of requirement is attached to a gift, then it kind of ceases to be a gift as well. Mm. A gift is something that says, hey, here, I've got this. Do you want it? If you want it, you can take it. That's the nature of a gift. The Bible says that uh, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What the Bible does not say is that God will do this after 10 minutes mm. or he will do it after half an hour or he will do it after we've been repentant for three years. He simply says he will do it. And what we find is that he will do it straight away. There is nothing in the Bible that indicates that we are not instantly forgiven the moment that we confess our sin. Okay, so let's talk about deathbed conversions. Are they real? Are they valid? Um, are they something that we should plan on? Absolutely not. We should not be planning on a deathbed conversion. Um, but are they real? That is something that only God can decide. Mm. All right, so let's think about the thief on the cross. He had a deathbed conversion. Well, a death on the cross conversion. It's not exactly on his deathbed, but uh, same category, isn't it? Mm. And right there on the cross, did the thief receive salvation? Yeah. Did he have a lifetime of a relationship with God? No. Nope. How long did his relationship with God last? Oh, well, until he died, which was a very short period of time. Very, very short period of time that his relationship with God. Did he have time to do lots of good things? No. Other than obviously testify of his faith in Jesus Christ. Mm, no. Um, all right. So we find that um, here we have a um, an individual who gives his life to Jesus Christ. He receives forgiveness for his sins and he does nothing other than mm. that. All right. Does that then mean that once we give our lives to Jesus Christ, ask forgiveness for our sins, okay, we're saved, we're locked in, we can't be lost, um, end of story, just you know, go back to living like the world? Of course not. The response to salvation is always living a life of righteousness. Mm. That is a response to salvation. Salvation does not exist separate from that. Um, you cannot separate sanctification and justification. They both go hand in hand together. And good works... Even in the thief's instance, followed him giving his life to Jesus wow. Christ because he stopped to curse and to swear and to revile Jesus Christ. You can't separate those two things. 
Um, deathbed conversions, they are entirely up for God to judge. Some are genuine, some are not. Guys, that was uh, Wilder Atkins with I Have Decided here on Faith FM as Lawson busily shuffled through the prize box looking for what prize you are going to receive today. Um, and he's still be Oh, hey, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. The Christian oh, race. The Christian race. Mm-hmm. You like racing, Lawson? Yeah, I love it. All right. So, is that what this is all about? Well, this is all about the Christian race, the race that Paul tells us to strive in, to endure for, and in the book of Hebrews, well, allegedly. Um, But yeah, this is an incredible, incredible book by Richard A. Daly, Um, just highlighting, you know, the journey that we're on as as Christians, the journey that we're on, you know, not only with Christ, but to Christ as he's, you know, we're living in the end times and he's coming soon and how how incredible that is and, and how to, to just strive to get to know him better as he's as he's coming soon. Who gets to win this race? Oh, like everyone. Okay, so this is kind of like one of those uh, lame um, 
races that you have at school where everybody's a winner? No, it's two teams. There's two teams in this race. Okay. Those who run towards Jesus and those who don't. Who run away. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So All right, so everybody who runs towards Jesus is part of the right of the winning team. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's like it's like being part of a uh, yeah. So it's it's there you go. There you go. You can be a because I often looked at these team ones. You know, there's a whole big you know team of volleyball players or basketball players or whatever, and they all get the gold medal. I'm thinking, ah, it's kind of different to somebody who gets it on their own, but it's still a gold medal. It is. And here, everybody can win the gold medal. And we're not winning gold that's perishing either. No, but we're winning forever. eternal salvation. Amen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you can get this book completely for free. And learn how to win that race and get unperishable gold and unlimited amounts of it. We have enjoyed your company here on Faith FM on The Breakfast Show, and we look forward to having you join us again tomorrow morning right here. She